Hey y'all, welcome back to the Confessions of a Crappy Christian Podcast, a place where you and all of your crap are not just welcome, you're wanted. I'm your host, Blake Gishay, and every week I'm showing up with a new friend to talk about the things we're really great at, the ways Christ fills in the gaps on the things that we're not, and how he has been faithful to make his power perfect in our weaknesses. My hope is that you walk away feeling empowered and not alone in your struggles, and that people sharing their stories pushes you to share yours. All right, let's do this. All right, y'all, today's interview is with Julie Lyles Carr. Julie is a wife, mother, podcaster, author, and women's pastor. Whew! And today, she is sharing with us about her new book, Footnotes major lessons from minor Bible characters. We're talking about how the small, seemingly insignificant things for sure matter in the kingdom, and since she's an expert, how to juggle the many hats we as women are wearing. Julie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Blake, thanks so much for having me. I so appreciate the invitation. It's so fun to interview other podcasters. I love it. <laughs> We're so kind much. of a weird tribe. I know. We it's are. Nice We're to, get to see somebody in the in the group, right? <laughs> right. Like we're in a weird tribe. We all have our we have our like very official microphones and our headphones, and we're like, oh, okay, we're we're yeah. our, our people. Uh, so you are here today to talk about you wrote a book, uh, footnotes, major lessons from minor Bible characters. And I'm so excited about this. So. To open us up, tell us about a little bit about yourself and tell us about your book. Well, I am in Austin, Texas, and I have eight kids. And yes, they're all mine and my husband's. And yes, I birthed all of them. And no, there were no C-sections. And yes, I drove a 15-passenger van for a while. And <laughs> yes, we homeschool. And yes, we've heard of the Duggars. And no, we don't know them. And let's see. That should cover that, right? That like was we, so we kind of Okay. You need a t-shirt you know, that's just like, I do. Da, 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 da. like <laughs> this, is what, this is what I say all the time. And you know what's weird, Blake? People also ask if we have cable as part of this like comedy routine they think they're doing in terms of asking about the number of kids. And I'm always like, what does cable have to do with this? But, you know, for those who are curious, yeah, we have cable. Yeah. Um, yeah, we I have don't know. We, we do watch TV. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that always seems to come up. Yeah. And I am a women's pastor in Austin, Texas, and an author and a podcaster. And I have a background in radio and television and um, just love living here. Surprised to be in Texas. Lived all over the United States. My dad was a rocket scientist. And so we followed the space shuttle program and did not think I would settle in Texas. But here I am. You so <laughs> I love it. I love Austin. I love Texas. Yeah. Um, so tell us about footnotes and about like what led you to write a book about the minor characters of the Bible. You know, it was really just a an exploration. It started a few years ago, this fascination. I'm one of those people who always loves to know the story behind the story. Mm -hmm. I'm always curious about the other perspectives that people who maybe got to witness certain events or see it from a different angle or whatever. I'm always fascinated by the stories of those people. And so Footnotes came about. It is actually both a DVD that has four different sessions on it and then also the book that goes along with it. And it came about just from an exploration of those names 
names, those little footnotes in the Bible of people that we just pass right over. I mean, we blow right through. It's hard to even pronounce some of their names. And so right. we just, you know, we just kind of zoom on past to the people who feel more familiar. Right. But when you really take a pause, when you take a beat and you look at some of these people a little bit more in depth and you realize that what they did, I'm sure probably having no idea the long-term impact that it would have, or in the case of one of the footnotes that I discuss, he had a really singular and specific career path he was following. And then he's remembered for something completely different because I think God likes to do that from time to time. Uh So it's just one of those little curiosities to me to really get into the stories of some of the people that maybe we wouldn't notice quite as often and to see what their lives have to say to us today. I love that. I love that while it's focusing on these minor characters of the Bible, it also ties in, I think, this conversation that people are starting to have of, like, missing the small things and that the small things are important and the minor, you know, the quote-unquote minor characters are still characters and they still matter and they still make an impact. And I love that it's, it's, theological and informative in the sense of learning about these characters that you probably have blown by your whole life. And then also this really cool message of the small things, the small characters matter, right? Absolutely. Can you give us like a sneak peek, like something you learned from one of those minor characters? Absolutely. You know, I... I okay, how many of us at Christmas time, right? We read the narrative where it talks about Joseph getting married during the time of the census, and there's this little blip where it talks about in the time of Crinius. And and then we really get focused on, okay, what would it be like to ride a donkey when you're like two contractions away from pushing out a baby? Like that's right. I really stay, I really stay in that lane. Yeah. I know it was like having to get into a Ford Escort uh, right. in the middle of contractions. And then I think about what would it be like to actually ride on a donkey over dirt roads. Right. Exactly. So I have just blown through so often. I mean, that that mention of a census has given me sort of a time frame, and I'm interested by what different historians and archaeologists and Roman historians have to say about when that census was, but I finally took a beat, took a pause, and looked into Quirinius. And as it turns out, he was a guy who had such a game plan for his career. Now, so what we know him for today, the only time the guy comes up is at our Christmas Eve services when we read through the full account of Mary and Joseph making their way to Bethlehem during the time of the census, because the word just says, during the time of Quirinius, there was a census. I mean, I was, okay. Yeah. But when we stop and take a pause, he is the guy who really thought he had it going on for his career. He had been raised in a family in which he was familiar with military. He came up through military ranks. He served in a number of capacities. He was very well known for being quite the leader. And he went on to parlay that into a career in government. And he was one of the guys who was really trying to help in Roman expansion, keep it all under control, keep things kind of buttoned down, make sure that things were working well as Rome continued to take more and more territory and to dominate in more and more cultures. He was the guy. Now, if I'm Quirinius, I'm thinking, well, what I'm going to be known for in the years coming up is going to be my stellar military career, my education, the things that I pulled off for the Roman government, the systems I put into place, the way that I helped do certain things to really make sure that Roman domination was ensured forever. That is what I would be thinking if I was in Quirinius's shoes, if I was 
if I was the person filling out his LinkedIn back in the day, that is what I would think was going on. And instead, we know him as this mention of someone who during his time of governance, that this census was taken. Mm -hmm. And that is how we know him today. I mean, how many of us think we're building careers around certain things and we think that those jobs and the things that we're doing are for a specific purpose and we're going to be known forever and always as this. Mm -hmm. And yet when I look at Corinius, I'm just reminded again, no, no, God gets to decide <laughs> what all of that education, what all of those work hours, what all of that goal setting, God actually in the end is the one who gets to decide what it is that's going to be in our lives that is the thing that really carries forward in legacy. Well, and in his story specifically, and I'm sure for a lot of them, what he thought was going to be his legacy ended up being just a part of Jesus's. Right. Absolutely. And isn't that the isn't that the goal that you want to try to keep your heart and eyes set on is, you know, I'm working hard and I'm building but at the end, if all they knew, all they remember is Jesus, then like, okay, like, that's right, cool. right, right. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm cool with that. And it's, I love, you know, talking about that he had, you know, he was doing so much. I think that that's, I'm sure as you were explaining his career and his drive, people listening are like, uh-huh. Yep. That's me. Like, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm doing all these things. I'm putting things in place. I'm making an impact. And I'm sure that they are. I mean, you impact is is possible but i think today's culture is encouraging us especially as women to like dream big and chase chase after things and it's allowing women a bigger voice and greater influence than they've probably ever had and influence over society and family and work and politics but by focusing on these minor biblical characters Ones that a lot of people are overlooking. <laughs> Guilty party. <laughs> I, you're literally telling this story about a story that I've read a hundred times. And I'm like, I don't remember that name. I don't remember <laughs> that name at all. But do you think that that essentially translates as women or people? Like we as a society should be thinking smaller? You know, like, I mean, you really hit for me what is the heartbeat of this particular project. I keep saying that, you know, really the message of this entire, this entire reading, this entire DVD is hashtag little things are big things and began to realize more and more. The thing that really began to impact me deeply was to see the women in my own world and then to see myself talking to myself at times the hard time I give myself because I just feel like I'm moving from laundry basket to laundry basket, but am I doing big things? Or, well, well, yeah, you know, I've got now this next book coming out and I'm thankful for that, but, but gosh, you know, isn't it supposed to be all this size now? And, and shouldn't it all look like this? And shouldn't the scope and the reach of these different projects, shouldn't it be this much further? And so I do think that this dialogue we have going, which I'm like you, I love it. I, I want the vision boards and I want the big dreams and I want to have bigger voice and bigger influence. But if we are not thoughtful, we can allow that to become its own idol in a way mm. that prevents us from seeing how necessary and important 
the little things truly are. You know, in my tenure in in ministering to people, I get tickled because we'll take people through what we call a spiritual gifts assessment. And here's here's some insider information, Blake. It is easy to like throw the curve on spiritual gifts. Like you can kind of see through the different questions, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, okay, you know, I really want to be one of those people who's known as quote unquote, a leader, or right. someone who's really known for a teaching gift, or somebody who's really known for a gift of knowledge. And you Let's face it, you can throw the curve on that Absolutely. test. And I think part of why we do that, even within our spiritual communities, is you know, we want the big gift. We want the influential thing. It's hard for us sometimes to say, wow, God may have called me to do something that is quieter. How do I feel about that? And so as I began to really unpack this and unpack these stories and began to realize the impact that they had, even though there's such small mentions in scripture, as I took a look at the women that I'm having conversations with and coffee with and some of them that I'm getting to see some of their tears of frustration at times or saying, am I enough? Because I'm not doing the side hustle. I'm not trying to take over the world by starting a media branding company. I, you know, am I, am I just flaking out? And I've begun to realize, wow, we need a refresher course as women, that the laundry basket to laundry basket is just as big in God's story as running the multi-million dollar online company. It really is. And I hope that we can really understand. I'm not, Again, I'm not trying to sideline anybody's big dream. I love, I love thinking big. But so often the way we get to what the big thing is, is by doing the little thing to the little thing to the little thing very, very well. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it's not your design. It's not how you were put together to go run the big company. But to love your family well, to have big legacy in your family, it really is going to be the laundry basket to laundry basket, the pantry shelf to the pantry shelf. Mm -hmm. If you really are trying to go for the big dream and you really want to have this thing that you've built, this product that you want to put out there, or this podcast that you want to start or whatever it is, it is going to be the little thing to the little thing to the little thing done diligently and done well. And that is what these characters really had a lot to say to me about because some of them, let's face it, didn't do real glamorous things for the gospel. Not like some of the disciple stories that we read, mm -hmm. but what they did was still so central to us having the gospel today. Yes, absolutely. I think I'm sure that so many women that are listening right now are like, oh, thank you. Finally, <laughs> you know, like, somebody isn't telling me that I am required to have a side hustle and I have to be building a ministry. And I think and it's interesting. There's this tension right between I believe and I know that you believe that I am where I'm supposed to be that I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing and that this is the way that I'm gifted but then I look like across the line at my friends who have no desire to do any of the things that I I desire to do and I'm like and I know that you are exactly where you're supposed to be doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing and I think when we give one another that it's really incredibly freeing for all of us. Absolutely. Because we're all going to run together, right? You hopefully, if you are in either world, have friends in the other, right? right. And instead of looking at them and being like, I don't get it, or I wish I had that, or that's dumb, like whatever, you know, comes to mind, instead if it's like good for her, not for me... 
then like that just frees all of us up to be walking in our gifts and encouraging one another in those giftings. And I think we're so pounded right now by a conversation of like hustle harder, chase your dreams, quit your job that like, God, can we just let people be for a second? Like, can we just like let God be the one to lead that conversation and, and lead the way on that and, and show us what is best for us? Right. I mean, I, you know, I think I'm so struck in this season of my life right now because we have moved my mother and my grandmother. There was, you know, kind of family conversation about what do we do? And we have moved them to Indiana to be close to my brother and my sister-in-law. And they are in two different facilities. They're a memory care facility and an assisted living center. My sister-in-law, talk about like going big or going home. She has her PhD in biomolecular chemistry. She taught in medical school. She's one of the smartest people I know. And right now, she is in a season of taking care, I think are appreciative, but don't completely understand the complexities of everything that my sister-in-law is doing for them. And her willingness to be that person right now doing the Oh, and Blake, let me tell you, it's the 8 million little things. It's running back to CVS for the Advil and then running back to CVS again because this one realized that she needed this and such. And it is making sure that the medications are in the cute little trays. I mean, it is all the things all the time. And her willingness to do that right now allows me to be doing some things that are quote unquote more publicly known, Mm -hmm. allows her daughter to be at the university and doing the things that she's doing allows her sons to be finishing out their high school years. I mean, she is doing things of such critical importance and they're so invisible. Right. And how, how ungrateful would I be or would any other woman be to think that my sister-in-law is not living large? She's living so large in a lane of mercy and serving and grace and patience. I mean, just mind-blowing how amazing she is being. And yet, if we are only willing to evaluate a woman's worth through what this newest culture is, which is the hustle and the side hustle and the grind and the grit and all the things, we are going to miss some really powerful stories along the way. We're going to miss some footnotes that absolutely can be heart and soul changing. Amen. That is so important. All right, y'all. Big announcement. The podcast is now sponsored by Lifeway. Yeah, like the Lifeway. Specifically, their CSB Study Bible, which, perfectly enough, is the Bible that I use. So, the CSB Study Bible exists to inspire you to grow in your understanding and love of God's Word. It also contains an award-winning array of study resources, including over 16,000 study notes, tools, and word studies. So if you ever want to understand the Greek, this is the Bible for you. It is now available in eight different cover options, including two new covers. So whether you are learning to prepare for future Bible studies or it's your daily readings, this Bible is the ideal resource for lifelong discipleship, and I personally can attest to that. You can learn more at csbbible.com, visit lifeway.com to order your copy, or visit the link in the show description. I would add to that that your seasons can change. Yes. Right? So my season right now, I have a five and a Mm two-year-old. I'm not getting on a plane flying to speaking gigs. I'm not, you know 
flying around the country. I'm not even traveling much out outside of my city. I'm in my closet doing a podcast, you know, reaching people on Instagram. And that's this season right now. And that's being, you know, that's me being obedient to, and there's nothing wrong if you have small kids and you're flying all over the country there that I'm not trying to say that that's a negative. It's just not what's right for us and for our family. My husband works insane hours. It just wouldn't work. Would I love to be doing that for a hundred percent? But this season, that's not what God has for me. That's not what God has for my life and for my family's life. But it may be down the road. Just like right now in this season for your sister, who is this brilliant individual, this season requires this of her. And her faithfulness to that is inspiring and incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think too, you've tapped into something that is really central for some of this as well. You know, these footnotes that I've taken a look at, we sometimes with a few of them, we know a little bit more of the story, or there may be some, you know, I'm not saying scriptural writings, but some things that maybe the early church then recorded about some of them, some of them not. But we have a snapshot of a season they were in. And so, you know, I think that's such an important thing. I I know that it can sound almost patronizing sometimes when you really are up all night with the baby and then the three-year-old does not want to leave clinging your leg to enter preschool. And, you know, and you have some woman see you in the aisle of Costco and go, oh, honey, just embrace every moment of it. It goes so fast and you just want to just pick up a pack of econo forks and just pitch them at her. You know, you're just like, don't tell me things like that. It's right. this season's hard. Nobody sees me except for, you know, kind of the grouchy patronizing woman in the aisle at Costco. Right. But I do think that to keep in mind, and again, in no, in no way from an arrogant position, but seasons, we have to be able to embrace them. We have to be able to understand. Here's the other thing that I see happen quite a bit too. Somebody comes into a season of quote unquote big, okay? So they're getting to do the speaking and they are flying across the country and they're doing all the things. But can I just tell you, Blake, I mean, that's going to wrap up too. I mean, right. you know, it's the likelihood that that's just going to go on and on and on ad infinitum is pretty small. Right. And so to really get present with where we are, to really say, hey, if I'm in a season of little or I'm in a season of big, I've got this insider information that the reality is it's all big in my father's eyes. Mm. He's taking note of all of it. I, I think about God in this way, you know, with eight kids. You should see my garage, which is like the most non-climate controlled archival storage system ever because it's all cardboard boxes of cardboard artwork, right? So, <laughs> right. so you know, the roaches get in there and eat it and, yeah, I mean, all kinds of things when you start opening some of these boxes. But what is so fascinating to me in terms of what I have kept through the years that my kids have produced at Sunday school and at their, you know, co-op for homeschool and that kind of thing, the stories they've written down, the little, you know construction paper murals and things that they've done through the years. It's all been big things to me. And some of my kids have gone on to have larger artistic expression and all kinds of things. And I love that too. But man, let me tell you, as a parent, I love all of it. All of it is important to me. And when I think about how God sees us, the things that we would call our little efforts, our elementary school level art or whatever. No, 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 sisters. Mm -hmm. He keeps it all. It is all precious to him. And it all means something really significant to him, even when we ourselves have a hard time seeing that. Absolutely. I love that. And I think we, especially when you're kind of like in those 
little day trenches when you're in the day of the days of littles you almost need that reminder that where you are and the things that you're doing are holy ground and I, before I started my podcast, before I kind of started stepping into some like small ministry, I w- would tell my husband, if all I do is raise two little girls who know that Jesus loves them and that their identity is staked in him, cool. Cool. Right. Right. Because we, I think we lose sight of the fact that we are raising the next generation of believers. That's freaking huge. It is. And we minimalize the heck out of it. Yeah, we do. And, you know, I think, too, in that season where you're home with littles or if you're working and you're coming home to littles and you're hitting the door and it's it's all the chaos and all the things, I feel like we tend to do one of two things. We either over-romanticize it. So it we feel guilty because we feel like it's supposed to feel like Battenberg lace and gauzy and, and you know, and roses and so sweet and mother and child and blah, blah, blah. Or we so negatify it to just make up my own word, but yes. we, we gripe about it. We, we just act like there's some kind of victim thing going on and, and nobody can understand a mother's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And instead, I think if we could come to that place where there are going to be those days that are really beautific, there are going to be those days that are really beastly. It's all just part of it. And to, to avoid that tendency to go one extreme or the other, I think helps us stay a little more grounded in, you know, what I'm doing, some of it nobody's ever going to remember. God will recount it. Some of it is not even going to pay it forward. It's just, it's, some of it's not, but some of it, and I can tell you now that my youngest children are now 12. So my oldest is almost 29. So I can tell you now in the span of all that, I am amazed, like the things that the kids tell me now are such favorite memories to them or a really big deal. And then those things that I stressed over and, you know, through the perfect five-year-old princess party and all that, that they don't remember any of that. Right. But they remember some of the things that, to my mind at the time, were really little. But, man, it had big impact in their experience of family life. Yes. I love that. I think that those words, I feel like, are going to be really important to a lot of listeners. But right now, I'm just sitting in them. Because I needed them. (laughs) Like me, mom coming out of summer, I'm like, yes. Like they are going to remember, hopefully, like us chasing one another around the house, dying, laughing, you know, slip and sliding, like that kind of stuff. Like they're going to remember, and those things matter. And it, even though in the moment it feels like you're just keeping your head above water, that that stuff matters. And then I think that for the women who are juggling multiple roles, you know, you have eight children and you're a wife and you wrote a book and you're a women's pastor. I mean, you are juggling a lot of roles. You're wearing a lot of hats. And I think a lot of us are, you know, I'm a podcaster and a business owner and a wife and a mom and a friend when I get the chance and a daughter, (laughs) you know, and how I feel like I am being so like spoken into and encouraged during this interview. How do you encourage women who are in that season, which that's a pretty long-term season wearing all of the hats and juggling all the roles, but 
what is your, like, what's your encouragement for those women? Yeah, I think we have to give ourselves permission that those roles are going to slop over on each other. You know, they really are. I've said several times, one of the things that I love is I love social media. I love Pinterest. I love being able to get on the web and have all this immediate feedback for what I could make for dinner tonight and what I can make my living room look like and the next DIY project and all the things. But I will tell you, Blake, having started out my mothering career when that wasn't available, so I had my first baby in 90 and then my second in 94 and my third in 96 and my fourth in 98. And, you know, there just was not this content immediately available. And so I would get, you know, an issue of Better Homes and Gardens would come in the mail And I would flip through and feel like I'm failing. Mm. And that was once a month. I mean, (laughs) so today, I mean, with my younger kids, all of this content that comes our way that, yes, can be inspirational, but can also make you feel like your life is so little and your house is so little and your fashion sense is so little, you know, all of those things. One of the first encouragements that I have for a lot of women, and I have to preach it to myself is, hey, is the stuff you're consuming making you feel good? Hmm. Or is it making you minimize your own life? Is it making you compare and contrast in a way that inspires you? Or is it making you compare and contrast in a way that makes you feel less than? Mm -hmm. And if it makes you feel less than, and I will tell you, there are accounts I've chosen to unfollow, not because anybody was mean to me or rude or anything else, but because my own soul, it was not good for me Mm -hmm. to continue to look at these things and allow it to minimize me in ways or question the season that God has me in and how quickly or slowly he's choosing to grow some things in my life. I just had to get rid of that comparison. I think another thing too that we have to understand, as I started to say, those roles are going to overlap. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, for a while, I thought that balance was about these cleanly defined lanes of, well, here's my professional life, and here's my ministry life, and here's my writer's life, and here's my broadcast life, and here are my kids, and here's my marriage. And somehow, if I was really doing a good job, if I was living large, I was going to have all of that in such neat sequence. But the reality is it all bleeds over into each other. Yep. It's just all going to get kind of messy. The trick is to decide how much bleed over you're going to allow. Mm -hmm. And so I've just had to realize there are times that work is going to pop up. Yes, even in the midst of a birthday party or something like that, there may be an email or a text I've got to go deal with. There are going to be times that what my kids need, if something comes up, bleeds over into my writing life. Whatever the bleed over is, it's going to happen from time to time. And it's not an indicator of how well or how poorly I'm managing things. It's just life. Life does not always stay in clean channels. And so I think for that, for me, the encouragement is just, look, make sure that you're getting a diet that inspires you and doesn't Mm -hmm. minimize you. And also know that when you are being assigned multiple roles, they don't exist in stasis apart from each other. There's a symbiosis that has to happen. And that is perfectly great. Mm-hmm. You know, I I wanted for a while, particularly because I have been in industries when I was in radio and television, and then also for quite a season in ministry, I was living in a guy's world, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was like, I didn't want my mom life to interfere because I didn't want the guys to think, well, this is what happens when you hire girls. You know, I was right. trying really hard right. to keep it all separate. 
And the reality is it, we don't exist separately. That's not a true representation. Should we be professional? Sure. But we are women who also have children and jobs and homes and all the things. And to be our fullest sense of who we are is in no way less than what we are supposed to be. We're supposed to be all of it that we've been right. called to. I had to have that realization about a year or so ago where I was very desperately trying to keep my graphic design business very separate from writing and and speaking and all of those kinds of things and that very separate from motherhood and even like in a weird way like motherhood separate from being a wife like I was just like you used the word lanes like I wanted it to all stay in its lane and something would start to drift and I'd like like, (laughs) need to get it all back where it was and man the the freedom and the grace to let there be bleed over and I love that term like bleed over just let it like life is in flux and the sooner you can learn to be flexible with these things that you're trying to keep so rigid it's so much easier and I don't think anyone has experienced anything that's been unprofessional or less than and I am just less of a crazy person Right. <laughs> right. Right. And isn't that kind of one of the ultimate goals is to just be less of a crazy person. Right, right. And I think when we can show up with everything that we truly are, you know, it's not that's the irony to me is I feel like often we aren't willing to show up as everything we truly are because we think it's going to diminish us in one mm. of our roles, like well people aren't going to see me as this or that or as serious about what I'm doing or as dedicated a mom or whatever. And so ironically, we start reducing who we are to make us feel like we aren't less in some of these roles. But that math never works. That math does not work. (laughs) It just doesn't work. No, it doesn't. And I think, man, I think so many women are so desperate for this message, whether they are pursuing motherhood or they're pursuing business or both. I think we... We are desperate for leaders to remind us that the small things matter and that the small things make an impact. I'm so thankful that you are leading that charge and writing like tangible, practical study for us to dive in on to be like, okay, get your mind right. The small things matter. Like the major things matter. Daniel, David, like they right, all right. matter, but so do these small characters that we can't pronounce their names, you know, yeah. they, <laughs> that it all matters. I'm so thankful that, that you've kind of like made that a part of your message and your platform. I think it's so important. Oh, thank you. It's just been so fun to really take a deep dive and just see what's there. There's so much more when we really take a look. Oh my gosh, absolutely. So we wrap up with rapid fire questions. Oh, awesome. Okay. Just for fun. Do you know your Enneagram type? I do. I'm a three with yes, two wings. Yes, you are. Yeah, which is like, which is like, <laughs> I think it's like the most toxic mix, Blake, because it's like, you want to, you're like this performer, but you want to help everybody. So then you're like, I'm going to be better at helping people than, I'm going to perform better at helping people than anybody. It's like a weird mix. Anyway, yeah, I'm a three with a two wing. Well, and I can usually, because I'm an eight. Okay. And so I okay. think us threes and eights, females right. can like find right one another. Yeah, we yep. find each other. Yep. We're right across, <laughs> right across the chart from each other. Yep. Yep. <laughs> what is something that can always pull you out of a funk? 
Mm. Okay. My running playlist is not saved and I'm admitting that right off the top. But, um, if I'm in a funk, there's some serious eighties rock band music. Yes. I should say praise and worship music. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. No, because that's not what it is. I, and then if I can actually get the running shoes on and go for a run to the right. 80s rock music, I, I'm a queen. I'm yes. telling you. I'm just like, it's nothing. Can everything changes. On. Yeah. Uh-huh, yes, uh-huh. absolutely. So. What is the last thing you watched on TV? Oh, oh, Blake. Okay. If I tell you this, you have to promise to run, go watch this. Do you have Amazon Prime? Do you have Prime Video? Yes. Yes. Okay. There, I'm a documentary junkie. Same. And I love really obscure documentaries. So what I just watched right before I got on with you, it's called The Keys to the Castle. It was my second time to watch it. And it is the story of, it's the documentary um, of these, this little old couple, Sandy and Allison, and they are having to leave the castle that they restored, a 15th century, a castle built in the 1400s. In Scotland, in the Highlands, they spent 40 years there, and it's time for them to move on. And so it is a documentary that captures that entire process. And Allison, the wife, is, I mean, a character beyond. So if you love obscure British, Scottish humor, documentary, castles, anyway, it's all the things. It's called The Keys to the Castle. It's available on Amazon Prime. (laughs) <laughs> perfect. That was the most yeah. perfect ad for a documentary <laughs> I've ever heard. That was so great. <laughs> it's Tell awesome. Tell people where they can find and follow you and grab your book. Okay. I love Instagram. So come tell me hi there. It's Julie Lyles Carr, J-U-L-I-E-L-Y-L-E-S-C-A-R-R, Julie Lyles Carr on Instagram and Facebook. And you can go to JulieLylescar.com. I mean, any of those places you'll be able to find me. Uh, The book footnotes, the actual work, but it's it's like a, okay, it's like I jammed together both a book and a curriculum. So it was, I was under contract for a certain number of words and I went way past that. And the publisher was very gracious and said, okay, fine. (laughs) So you can find the book on Amazon. If you want the DVD, you go to abingtonwomen.com and the DVD is there. There is also the first session of footnotes is actually free right now on YouTube. So if you go to footnotes, Julie Lyle's car, it'll take you to the first session and that'll give you a feel for what the DVDs are like. But then the book you can get from Amazon. So just Amazon, Amazon Prime, all the things. We're just all about Amazon Prime today. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to have this conversation and share your wisdom. I know I'm walking away so encouraged. So I know so many of like the women and moms and college students and everything are feeling so encouraged and lifted up. And I'm just so thankful for your influence and for your message. Oh, well, Blake, thanks so much for having me on and much love and many blessings to your listeners. So thankful that they have someone like you leading the charge and speaking into their lives. So thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you can find the show notes and more information about the show at confessionsofacrappychristian.com. I'll see y'all next week.
Good afternoon. Would you like to try a free sample of our double fudge brownie? Oh, sure. Mmm, that's very good. I I'll just take one more, just to be sure. Yep, still very good. Some things never change, like never being able to take just one free sample. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Mmm, is that macadamia nut I taste? Let me take one more. Sir, mm. yeah. I thought so. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.